You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I'm Scott Goldman, the executive director of the Grammy Museum, and this is Required Listening. Each week in the Clive Davis Theater at the Grammy Museum, I get the opportunity to speak with great music artists across every genre from emerging to legendary about their careers, their process, their latest projects, and what inspires them to make great music. And I want to bring these conversations to you. On today's show, my conversation with Black Keys co-founder and frontman Dan Auerbach. Now, as you may know, the Black Keys announced themselves as a primal force in rock and roll back in 2002 with a real grounding in the blues. But these guys were not retro-minded purists. They really proved themselves to be songwriters of considerable depth with a real willingness to take you know, sonic chances as they progressed through their career. And even though Dan had been living in Nashville for a period of years, the Keys were always touring. He didn't necessarily spend a lot of time at home. And as such, he felt like he didn't really know the music community in Nashville. Well, when the band finally took a hiatus, he took the time to build his own studio and put together a group of truly legendary musicians with whom he could make music. It's a remarkable thing to hear an artist talk about that process of discovery within his own community. We talked about his most recent album, Waiting on a Song. So let's go to the Clive Davis Theater and listen to my conversation with Dan Auerbach. Would you please welcome Dan Auerbach. All right. All right. It's actually nine Grammys. Nine Grammys? Did I get that wrong? Damn. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you all for being here. Good night. <laughs> um, thank you for coming. Appreciate it. Um, and thank you for correcting me on my bad math, I guess. Um, so you've called... I, I want to talk about the new record, and then we'll, we'll wind the videotape back at, you know, at some point. Okay. But you've called this record a love letter to Nashville. Yeah, sort of. 
How sort so? of something like that. Yeah, how so? I mean, I, it was for the first time. I've lived in Nashville for eight years, but um, like you said, I, I've been on the road touring. Yeah. So this is sort of the first time I ever got to settle into Nashville and get into the scene there and, and start doing Nashville things like songwriting sessions, mm -hmm. stuff like that, which I'd never done before. So I guess that's why it's so Nashville, the record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you talk about the songwriting sessions and, you know, there's a whole tradition, as I'm sure you learned, in Nashville about songwriting. And, you know, you have the 10 a.m. co-write with whoever and the 12 p.m. co-write with. And you talked around the time of El Camino. Yeah. You talked about working with Brian Burton, Danger Mouse, and how that was unusual for you in, in terms of writing with somebody yeah, else. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh Pat and I were always very reluctant to let anyone into our world, you know? I mean, we started recording on a four track, you know, in the basement. We were just so young and kind of insecure. We didn't, you know, we were too afraid to ask anybody for help. So we just did our own way <laughs> yeah. and kind of had some success. So we just never, I mean, we didn't record in a proper studio until our fifth, fifth record. Hmm. But when it came time, to do this record, you're you know you're co-writing, you're working with other people, you you know it's kind of in that Nashville thing. Have you become more comfortable in terms of co-writing? I mean, I didn't even really know what co-writing was all about until a year and a half ago. Um, yeah, I'm really comfortable with it uh -huh. because it's the thing about it is it should be easy. I mean, if you get paired with the right person and you have the right chemistry that's what you're looking for, you know, kind of it, it's someone to help the momentum grow. And I met some people like that. And, you know, I mean, I could have gotten together with Prine and maybe nothing would have happened, mm, you know, yeah. and, but it, it did, it worked. Yeah. And uh, we wrote six or seven songs together, you know. I have to, I mean, John Prine, literally, and for those of you who might not know John Prine, I would encourage you to go check him out. A treasure yeah. in American music, as far as one person is concerned. It, you, first of all, how'd you how'd you meet the guy? I met him through my friend Fergie, David Ferguson. David Ferguson. Yeah, he yeah. was um, he was a protege of a guy named Cowboy Jack Clement, yes. who's very important in Nashville music. He was sort of the guy who started to think outside of the box in Nashville. Nashville was Music City a long time ago, long before Cowboy got there. He used to work for Sam Phillips in, yes. in Memphis. But he moved to Nashville and he had these huge hit records with people like Charlie Pride and uh, Don Williams. And so anyway, Fergie learned from him and he met all these great people. And, and I guess I've just sort of been meeting people through Fergie since yeah. I moved to Nashville. Yeah. I met him when I first moved to town. Yeah, he was kind of, uh, Fergie, I mean, he, he was kind of your, your introduction to the music community. Yeah, he introduced in me to tons of people. Yeah. And... And Prime was one of them. Yeah. yeah. And the, he brought me to see Prime for the first time at Station Inn in Nashville. And you said about that, when, when you saw him at the Station Inn, you said seeing him is something, and this is a quote, that can change you. Yeah. And I'm wondering what what changed about you after you saw Prime? Well, I mean, I was familiar with his music, but I don't think you can really get the whole full experience until you see him in person. I think that's where he really shines, you know? I still don't think he's made a record as strong as he is when you see him in person. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was just, I was just kind of bowled over by the simplicity of it all. And he was also playing in a way that reminded me of all the songs that I learned as a kid from my mom's family, bluegrass songs, mm -hmm. finger-picked folk songs, you know? 
that he was playing in that style. So for me, it, I just felt a, an immediate connection to it. But also, it was just how beautiful songs are, how simple they are. You know, he never tries to go over your head. He always hits the bullseye, you know? Yeah. And actually, listen, listening to the record, we'll talk about some of the songs in a minute, but listening to the record, you can hear Prine. Mm-hmm. You can definitely hear hear him there. Um, you know, when when you did Keep It Hid, and as you were writing those songs, this record is a departure from that. I, I would describe it, and don't take this the wrong way, as a particularly sunny, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. album. Yeah. How would you describe it? I mean, I've heard that a lot, and I think that these songs, this collection of songs, it, it does have an uplifting feeling to it. And it, it's a direct result of how I felt when I made the music. You know, I was just, it was pure joy every day. Yeah. At home, in the studio, writing and recording with some of these musicians who have made some of my favorite records of all time. You know, I mean, I was like... You know, elated every day. Yeah, you know one of the, one of the things you, you've talked about is you know in your in your past life, you worked at a record store. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Quonset Hut Records. In, yeah, in Akron, yeah. Ohio. Yeah, one of my first jobs out of college was Tower Records, Columbus and Bay, San Francisco. Nice. But be, you know, be that as as it may, you were looking at these album jackets, and unfortunately, this is something that is lost to generations lately. And looking at the names of the people who played on these records. And mm-hmm. over time, you would come to realize that the records that you love, man, a lot of, a lot the, of names, the same names. A lot of the same names. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm wondering, these guys that you put on this album, you know, how many times had you seen their names before? Yeah, so I had some people on this record, people like Bobby Wood, who played... Uh, he played the organ on uh, Hey There, Little Red Riding Hood by Sam the Sham. He played on uh, Son of a Preacher Man by Dusty Springfield and In the Ghetto and Suspicious Minds by Elvis Presley. and uh, At American Sound. At American Sound Studios yeah. for Chip's Moment. Yeah. yeah in, you know, he cut Neil Diamond, uh, Sweet Caroline. Yeah. Uh, Sweet Caroline. Just, uh, bum, just consider, bum, consider bum. this, by the way. I mean, this Bobby, is just one dude. Bobby wrote that part. The bum, bum, bum. <laughs> he did. <laughs> he wrote awesome. it. He wrote it on the keyboard, and then yeah. they covered it up with horns. Yeah. Yeah. So as you're, I mean, as and the way there's one more thing about Yo, Bobby. Go ahead. There's, there's, go ahead. there's a YouTube audio of a recording session from the Elvis Presley sessions, and. Uh, there's a section where you can listen. There's like this long 24 minute. They just let the tape roll while they're rehearsing. Yeah. And you hear Elvis singing. And then you hear somebody go, no, 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 Elvis, no, no. It's like this. And then sings it. And then, and then you hear Elvis go, thank you, Bobby Wood. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. If that were me, my career, I'm done. I'm done. Elvis that's, says that's, thank uh, you. So, you know, but as as you're as you're working with those guys, is the bubble over your head going? These dudes played with Elvis. This is like the coolest I mean, thing I could be doing. Yes and no. I mean, at the same time, you know that I worship them. I also feel so connected to them in a way that I haven't felt connected to certain people. You know, we both huh. have this similar addiction. You know, I mean, all they've ever done is make music in the studio for a living. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, that's all I've ever done. You know, and uh, we just met 
and in Nashville, and now we've we've been working constantly together. Yeah, on all kinds of different projects. Yeah, you said something really interesting. You produced a record with Dr. John. I think yeah. in 2012, Lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, terrific album. But one of the things you said about that, which I think is so important, is you did not treat him as, and this is in quotes, an antiquity. Yeah. In other words... Like some he, sort of like a precious egg. Right, right. So, or something caught in amber, you know? Yeah. You pushed him <clears throat> to, to be, you know, his best. And I'm wondering, you produced this record... Uh-huh. And as a producer, I'm wondering, did you kick these guys in the ass a little bit? Which guys? The, uh, yeah, you in know, the Dr. Yeah, John session? Yeah, well, no, no, no. The dudes on this record. Did I kick them in the ass? I think that they were ready. They were really? ready for me. Yeah. It's almost like they'd been laying dormant. Do you know huh. what I mean? Huh. They'd been working the system, you know, playing sessions and yeah. stuff. But they, all of them have independently told me that they're like, this is how it felt when we were making records huh. because it's so much creativity anything goes i mean you know bobby and and his buddy who plays drums for me uh gene chrisman we call him bubba he and bobby have been playing together forever but they've been on number one country hits they've been number one soul hits number one pop hits yeah but they never really thought about it they were just they were just making music you know what i mean yeah so i love that about those guys and that's why they fit in so well i Mm. think this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. Plus, what if your products had thousands of five-star reviews? Were natural and affordable? Well, say hello to Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable, and it really works. Not sure where to start? I highly recommend the Work System. It's everything you need in one powerful package. Take out the guesswork with a proven routine that includes a gentle yet effective cleanser, a super skin toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. See what everyone is raving about. Dime has over 2 million 
happy customers, and their product reviews are literally five stars. And right now through Monday, Dime has their spring into savings sale. Get 25% off site-wide. Go to dimebeautyco.com for 25% off every product on the site. That's dimebeautyco.com for 25% off. But hurry, the spring into savings sale ends Monday. Go to dimebeautyco.com. You know, you also had someone who's who's a hero to many people, Dwayne Eddy. Yeah, Dwayne. Is, is, is on this record. Dwayne, who li- who's lived in Nashville for many, many years. Yeah. And I'm wondering, did you have that sound of Rebel Rouser, you know, that guitar sound in your head when he walks in the studio? Dwayne is like uh, 79, I think, yeah. maybe. Yeah. But he's really tall and he's got perfect posture. He wears all black. He's always got cowboy boots on. And he's got a, a hat on, like a big black hat. Yep. So hell yeah, that, of course. <laughs> <I hear that. laughs> when did you When did you first hear Dwayne Eddy? What was your first introduction to Dwayne Eddy? He would have been on radio growing yep. up. I knew all his songs just from from hearing him in the ether while I was a kid. Those are the kind of songs that you just know instinctually. There are certain artists who, who for whatever reason, they just become part of your DNA. Yeah. You know, you hear well, them. Well, Dwayne Eddy was kind of one of the inventors of rock and roll guitar. Yeah. I mean, if not the, and you know, he also started in the studio with mm-hmm. Lee Hazelwood mm-hmm. in Phoenix, you know, and they came up with a sound experimenting in the studio. So Dwayne loves being, he's a studio rat, just like all of us. So, I mean, he was there all the time. Just, he was like my session guy. <laughs> That's... He was playing on sessions. Whatever the song needed, he was there. Yeah. As you were going through the the songwriting process, and you, and you talked about, you know, particularly as as you were doing "Keep It Hid," you were inspired a little bit by Charles Bukowski, the you know the great writer, and you were look at, you were interested in, and I actually wrote this down, unfancy, interesting language. Yeah, just like John Prine, same thing. You know, talk about that a little. Who's bit. able? I mean, that's. I love that. I mean, that's it's it's the similar thing that they have where they're able to do so much with so little, you know, mm. and mm. and that people who are able to do that, I find to be the most interesting to me. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, when you can, with the most simplest ingredients, um, make something so potent, mm. I find that to be really inspiring. You know, one one of the other um, you, you've got Mark Knopfler mm-hmm. on on this record. Speaking of guitar players, first of all. How'd you get him on the record? We emailed him. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. And he just said, yeah, I'll do this? Well, we cut, we cut this song called Shana Me. And I went back into the control room to listen to playback. And I was sitting at the console and I was listening. And I, I just, I could hear his guitar. I could hear it on the song. So that night, we did a rough mix. I sent it to my manager. And I, I said, can you please find Mark Knopfler and send him this song. <laughs> send him this song. And ask him very nicely if he would want to participate in any way. I didn't give him any instructions or anything. And then two days later, we got the song back with his guitar in it. <laughs> Which, by the way, if you listen to the song, you can absolutely identify yeah. where, where Knopfler but, I mean, is in it the was, song. It was just sort of like, I think that's sort of one of the things that I took from doing all these sessions and working with all these guys, like, you know, if it's meant to be, it'll happen. And if it's not, it won't, you know, yeah. and yeah. that's sort of the fun of it, yeah. you know, and Mark came through and 
It was awesome because so, he did exactly what the song needed to, which was so interesting. Which which you had no pre- preconceived notions about, and I'm wondering yeah, when you, you sent got, it when to you a got the track player, and you listened to it, you sent it to a guitar player and you assume that the guitar player is going to do a guitar solo. You know what I mean? He didn't. He, he just didn't. played the rhythm guitar. That's what the song needed. That's all it needed. He knew what it needed. Just like all these guys I'm working with. That's why I knew he'd like he'd connect with it because. Uh, he just, uh, I know that he's worked with Chet Atkins and he's got a lot of respect for Nashville. I just knew that he would understand yeah. it and he did. It was so great. Uh, you know, it's funny. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, because you've, you've talked about how you've lived in Nashville since 2010, but you really didn't get acquainted with it until mm. more recently. And I'm wondering if, if you've learned something about, you know, working with people who have this level of experience that you don't necessarily need to tell them what to do. They have well, an understanding. That's something I learned with Brian, working with Brian Burton. Yeah. That opened my eyes to, if you let the right people in, they make what you do better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or they can excite you in a way that pushes you to new levels of creativity. Yeah. So, I mean, after learning that, yeah, I always had my mind open, kept my ears open, heard about some of these people, you know, made, made weird phone calls and re- reached out to these people <laughs> yeah. that I hadn't met. And it was like, if it was meant to be, it was going to be meant to be. And, and I just met this incredible crew of, of people. Mm. I mean, you've definitely talked about how this experience and, and really kind of becoming acquainted with these players in Nashville has changed your thinking about recording. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have been producing records for a long time, and I'd, I'd used a lot of these guys on some records. And, yeah. You know, I use some of these people on this record played on the Lana Del Rey record, Ray LaMontine, just other things that I made, Dr. John record, some yeah. of these people played on. So, but I think I really assembled a group at this point. You know what I mean? I was using one guy here, one guy there. But th- now I sort of almost have this crew that are always there, that we always work together. Mm. It's just different. It's like having the toolbox fully stocked yeah. with all the yeah. snap-on tools. Yeah. You know? <laughs> nice. Well, and The spe- expensive ones. Yeah, and, spe- <laughs> and speaking of the expensive snap-on tools, so this was done at Easy Eye Studio, which is, which is your- Easy Eye Sound in Nashville. Easy Eye Sound, which is, yeah, which is your studio. studio in Nashville. And you've described this as your field of dreams. Well, that's what it, it became, really, because I built it because I wanted to have a space like the studios that made the records I loved, like High Studios and, and American Sound and Stax and Motown and all of these great places that you could record a whole band in a room. So that's what I wanted. I didn't know the musicians, but I knew that's what I wanted. So <laughs> I built the studio and then little by little, like I said, I met all these people and now it's packed every week. <laughs> and I got a crew, drums haven't moved in two years. All the amps are set up. I mean, everybody, no one got it spec'd out. You no know, one exactly. brings instruments anymore. Yeah, it's just yeah. we're ready huh. to go all the time. Huh. I'm, I'm wondering now that you've got this set up, as you bring other artists to this, has it changed your thinking about producing? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I def- definitely have, like I said, different tools now to mm-hmm. use. Mm-hmm. And I the possibilities are kind of endless now. But that's the fun about making records, that it doesn't have to be any one thing, you yeah. know, and it's it's different every time. So, yeah. but I can do, I feel like I can do anything now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do want to roll the, the video back a little bit and talk about your early career. You grew up Akron, Ohio. Yeah. Um, your uncles were bluegrass players. My uncle, my, yeah, my uncle's my aunt. 
Yeah. Yeah. They all played bluegrass and, and, um, and folk songs and blues songs. And, uh, those were the first songs that I heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And my mom plays piano too, but she's more classical. Yeah. Is there, a, particularly at a, at a young age, I'm wondering what you were hearing besides maybe what was being played around the house. What were you hearing maybe on the radio or? Well, my or... dad had record collection. And that was stocked, and he was like, you know, an old hippie. So he had Grateful Dead was on all the time. Almond Brothers were on all the time. Uh, he had the Beatles on all the time, you know. But then he also played Sam Cooke and Otis Redding and uh, Louis Jordan. And, yeah. Uh, I guess this so. qualifies me as an old hippie, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it's all the stuff I listen to. Uh, but, uh, you know. But so, yeah, that stuff was yeah. on all the time, and it was the combination of all that. Plus, whatever's on the radio. I mean, I swear to God, I know. Every Tom Petty song. I've never even owned a Tom Petty record. <laughs> That's like Northeastern Ohio radio, rock radio, man. They yeah. just pumped out the jams all, yeah. all, yeah. all well, day. That goes day. back. That goes back to being in your DNA. You know, you hear exactly. this stuff and it just gets in there, and yeah, it, you you know the words, and you don't even know right. why you know the words. And then, but I mean, growing up in the '90s when I was in middle school, you know, it's like hip hop was really popular, so. I had all this different music around me all the time. Yeah. We were talking about guitar players. And, and I have to ask you, because when you hear this guy, I immediately hear the Black Keys. And that's Junior Kimbrough. Yeah. Tell me about the first time you heard Junior Kimbrough. Well, the first time I heard Junior Kimbrough was on a Fat Possum. That, that was his record label, Fat mm -hmm. Possum Records. And um, they did a comp with a very beautiful black and white photograph from of a woman dancing in this cement. It looked like a basement or something. <laughs> Bunker. And it ended up being Junior's juke joint, his yeah. club that he owned, yeah. that he played in every week. And there was a compilation of all these different artists, Arlo Burnside, T-Model Ford, Robert Belfour, Johnny Farmer, Jelly Roll Kings. Mm -hmm. And it had Junior Kimbrough on there. And um, I wasn't into it at first. I didn't quite understand it. Mm. It was a little too weird. But I slowly got into it, and then all of a sudden I realized I wasn't listening to anything but you. <laughs> yeah, it was sort of like that. It crept on, and then it just, it was sort of like weeds, you know? Just, <laughs> and then it just took over. Yeah. Well, because you took, and you know, to, to one person's ears, you took what Junior Kimbrough was doing, and you kind of moved it into, for lack of a better term, the modern world. You know, you, you turned it up a little bit. You gave it a maybe even more grit than he had. Yeah, definitely a lot more, I think. Yeah. I go back and listen. I'm like, ooh, he was playing kind of quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I always used to think that was really rocking. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Yeah. And um, the early Black Keys records were, were all done, I think, in your basement. Well, yeah, we did some in Pat's original rental house basement. Mm -hmm. That was on Richmond Place. Yeah. And um, then he moved, and he had his four-track over to his other house. And, and then we rented a space in, a, in the old General Tire factory building on the second floor. Hmm. Terrible building. Really frightening. <laughs> Big, how, how so, so scary. We're the only people in this giant tire factory at night. It was so scary. <laughs> I was scared to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it was just a nightmare. And, you know, really. And, it's really you know, cheap, though. Very yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, that I'm sure. It's incredibly yeah. cost effective. Yeah. It's you it's you and Pat, guitar and drums. That no consideration that there should be a bass player <laughs> well, or No, or, that's not totally true. I mean, we wanted to have other people in the yeah. group when we started, but we couldn't find anybody. It's not like there was a 
huge scene in Akron, Ohio. And I mean, I was like listening to Arl Burnside. So add on to that, it's like not a lot of dudes <laughs> who, is my this age dude? who want to listen to that kind of stuff. So, yeah. or even understood it yeah. on any level. How did, how did you meet Pat? He grew up around the corner from me. Mm. So I always knew him. Mm. He's just somebody I always knew. But he was a great apart from me. He was a year younger. So you know how when you're in school, one grade is like a lot is like yeah. a lifetime. Yeah, a lifetime. Yeah. So I never saw him. But his younger brother and my younger brother were best friends. And so one afternoon, my brother said, Hey, you know Pat? And I'm like, No, who's that? And he said, Pat <laughs> from around the corner. He he said he has a drum kit. You should bring your guitar amp over there. And so that was it. So we uh, brought my guitar amp over there and we started jamming and, and I mean we kinda got a record deal off of those recordings from the basement yeah this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global when you come back with a purdue global degree you create opportunity for yourself your family and your future it's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect purdue global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals these include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Time is a luxury for us, especially if you're a mom. That's why we need a skincare routine that's easy, fast, and gives us results. Plus, what if your products had thousands of five-star reviews? Were natural and affordable? Well, say hello to Dime Beauty. Dime Beauty is clean, high-end skincare that is affordable. And it really works. Not sure where to start? I highly recommend the Work System. It's everything you need in one powerful package. Take out the guesswork with a proven routine that includes a gentle yet effective cleanser, a super skin toner, two incredible serums, and two luxurious moisturizers. See what everyone is raving about. Dime has over 2 million happy customers and their product reviews are literally five stars and right now through monday dime has their spring into savings sale get 25 off site-wide go to dimebeautyco.com for 25 off every product on the site that's dimebeautyco.com for 25 off but hurry the spring into savings sale ends monday go to dimebeautyco.com first guitar what was your first guitar well i bought my mom bought me a Strat, but I wanted to have a guitar like Hound Dog Taylor. He played a Japanese Taisco. It's called Taisco Del Rey. And there's M-I-J. Four, four big pickups. On yeah, it. yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted. So she took me to this place in Cleveland 
where this guy had a guitar shop. He played in the ZZ Top cover band. So he had a big <laughs> beard. <laughs> beard and I was like, hey, I want to trade this for this Japanese guitar. And the Japanese guitar was probably worth $75. Strat was probably worth 800 He was yeah, like, yeah. sure, man. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. Done. Fair. That seems fair to me. <laughs> we'll, we'll even throw in a gig, gig bag. <laughs> So, uh, but I still, I still use the guitar. Though. Yeah. Well, and, and I must say, as someone who fancies some guitars, I recall seeing you guys at um, the jazz festival, New Orleans Jazz Festival, a couple of years, a few years ago. Um, and the rig you have of the amps that go from the largest down to the smallest, <laughs> that is just, you know, when you just we- wheel that thing out it's there. It's really obnoxious. Yeah. <laughs> In the best possible way. <laughs> just all giant tax write-off. Yeah. <laughs> everything I can fit. <laughs> you know, one, one thing, going, going back to, to waiting on a song, I read that the, the musicians that you were working with were all responding very positively to the way you were doing this because you were recording most of this live on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the, the foundation of every song is a live performance with at least five or six musicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about the, the difference that makes to you as a producer in terms of what you're trying to get out of the song. Well, I mean, I think that it's hard to really put into words, I guess. You're just trying to capture magic, really. Mm. I mean, you can get the greatest musicians in the world, but it just might not be your day sometimes, mm. you know? So I felt like the more we did it, the more we kept our odds up. It's sort of like a betting game. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I learned a lot from these guys, kind of like to let the song breathe and kind of get out of the way of my own self sometimes. Yeah. You know, how to open the songs up. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's just all kinds of little delicate things that happen. That That's an interesting point in terms of thinking about where you were recording in that factory in Akron to where you are today. How do you, How do you think you've evolved or changed as a songwriter you know it's like the more things change the more they stay the same you know what i mean i feel like i have learned so many things and i've gotten better but my base instincts are kind of still the same as they've always (laughs) been do you know what i mean i feel like my dna was fixed a long time ago and i still always go back to certain things that i do that are just a part of who i am musically do you know what i mean yeah yeah and i i guess with the way the world is now where you can change everything so instantaneously. And I think one of the things I learned from these guys was to, like I said, get out of my own way and mm. just not really worry too much, not, not overthink it, you know? And uh, just the idea of um, ha- having simple be okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, love I the didn't idea. even really know how to do it when I first started, you know what I mean? <laughs> Just all over the place. Yeah, but I, you know, I love the idea of the not not necessarily overthinking it. One of my favorite quotes, and some people here have probably heard me say this before, Neil Young mm-hmm. said um, about working in the studio, if you're thinking, you're stinking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and many artists seem to sign up to that What you want to What you want to really accomplish is you want the song to just flow out naturally, mm. but it's six, seven, eight people. So it's luck, really. <laughs> yeah. You just have to feel it, and you'll hear it in the headphones when you're tracking. If it hmm. feel, you know, you, that's the that's the thing you get addicted to. 
is because when it works, the songs sound like that in the headphones when you're yeah, cutting. Yeah, yeah. The ones that you end up hearing a year later yeah. when the record comes out. But that first moment when you hear it, it's incredible. And when I'm playing with all these guys, Bobby and Bubba, mm -hmm. it's like some people say the record sounds like it has soul influences. But it's, it's like, no, actually the guys playing on the record invented soul music, sort of. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? They did. And I'm yeah. hearing these guys in my headphones playing things that sound like a record. I'm hearing <laughs> this record in my mind, and that's just so addictive. Yeah. yeah. And I also read that you guys would, would do these sort of marathon kind of sessions where in four days you'd, you'd put down 15 songs. Yeah, we try to do about three or four a day. Is working quickly important? I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah. You don't want to overthink it. If it's not, mm -hmm. if it's not happening, it's not happening for a reason generally, mm. and you should kind of move on. Yeah, there, and there were there were something like I, I think sixty songs that you had to choose from for I, this album. Yeah, there's more than that. I mean, really? Just, yeah. yeah How there, did, there, so I recorded a couple hundred songs in the last year. Yeah. So how do you ultimately kind of go about the business of figuring out, well, okay, I, what's going to be on the record? I picked one or two that I knew I wanted to be on the record, mm -hmm. and then I picked ones that went with those couple, and that sort of shaped how the record ended up sounding. Got it. So Got it. these 10 songs together sound very uplifting, but I mean, yeah. the course of 200 songs, there's all kinds of variation. Yeah. Does that mean variation. There, there could be a waiting on, waiting on a song part two at yeah. some point down the road? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I you mean, heard, I you heard it here first. I haven't way. stopped, really. I mean, yeah, really? Uh, yeah, not, not really. Yeah, I yeah. mean, since last summer, I've been writing and recording every week, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Are you planning on taking this on the road? Are you going to tour with these guys? We or? Don't, I'm not opposed to the idea, but we, we don't have any plans right now. Yeah. 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 We've been talking about it, though. And I mean, you've been touring fairly relentlessly prior, yeah. to, prior to doing this record, you know, with Patrick and with the ARCs. Yeah. for four years yeah and and at some point you know i guess you, you kind of felt like it was time to stop doing that oh yeah it was it, it's so grueling it's such a grueling lifestyle and the way that pat and i did it was like we acted like we might never see another dollar bill again <laughs> i think it has to, something to do with being cheapskates <laughs> from akron ohio but that's how we did it. And I mean, when I decided to stop touring last summer to take a break, yeah, sure. we'd been touring for like four years straight, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. I'm sure it's in your mind at some point to put to put that back together. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any 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 plans to be writing with Patrick anytime no, soon? No, yeah. no plans at the moment. Yeah. Still just enjoying our nice vacation. Yeah. 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 Um the, the reaction so far to this record, everything that I've read, has been incredibly positive. Yeah, it's been really overwhelmingly positive. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, you know, radio station playing cuts, you know, God knows Outlaw Country that I happen to listen to on Sirius <laughs> XM has been playing the record. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Outlaw Country. Yeah. Yeah. Happens to be uh, Sirius XM Channel 60. Happens to be my favorite Sirius XM channel. What's that? Mojo. Mojo Nixon, exactly. Yeah. yeah okay. Crazy Mojo Nixon. Bobby and Bubba, he, they toured with the Highwaymen. Yep. Well, there you go. There with you go. The, Bob, when we, we just went to New York City and Bubba's suitcase said Waylon on it. <laughs> <laughs> it was the one that he said Waylon bought it for me when we went on tour. 
He said, "I'm when, sorry, I'm done." If someone says that, he said, me. "Those guys, all the backup musicians, whenever they did a tour in South America for the yeah. Highwaymen, it's yeah. Christopherson, Johnny Cash, yeah. Waylon, and Willie. Willie. Yep. But he said they did a whole tour of South America, and the first thing they did when they landed was look for the uh, the embassy." Which was the McDonald's. <laughs> that was what they looked for first. I read that you've developed a friendship with, with Prine. Yeah. Um, um, and that you, you, you guys go out and eat and get hot dogs well, yeah. together. Yeah, we, we always eat food that's really bad for you, basically. <laughs> well, he's from Chicago, so I'm not surprised that hot dogs he, are on the uh, list. He um, knows where the meatloaf special is every day of the week. <laughs> and uh, we uh, we wrote waiting on a song, and then um, we went to White Castle. <laughs> Perfect. When, 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 and then we came back and finished another song. <laughs> when I first started going to Nashville in like nineteen, White Castle was like the palate cleanser. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah. In between the songs, yeah. When I first started going to Nashville in 92, White Castle was, was about as good as it got. Uh-huh. It was either that or what they, they call down there a meat and three. Yeah. Because you, 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 know, you get your tray, you get a, your meat and three sides. Yeah, and the, the sides can also be meat. It's <laughs> <laughs> very that's confusing. The thing, that's the thing about the South that's really cool. <laughs> that vegetables can also be meat. <laughs> Well, hey, can I tell you how pleased we are that you took the time to come yeah, down here thank and you. talk about this record? It is terrific. So the album is called Waiting on a Song. If you don't have it, you should get it. Wouldn't we all like to spend a little time eating hot dogs with Dan Auerbach and John Prine? I don't know about you, but that would be a singular goal in my life. Waiting on a Song is really a terrific album. I encourage you to have a listen if you haven't already. That's your required listening for today. We'll be coming to you every week on Thursdays. You'll find us on all the social platforms at Grammy Museum. We'd love to keep the conversation going. And if you're coming to Los Angeles, please come and see us at the Grammy Museum. All of the information is at our website, grammymuseum.com. Org. Check out the public program schedule. We'd love to have you in the Clive Davis Theater as we do one of these programs. Finally, a big thank you to the required listening team, Jason James, Justin Joseph, Miranda Moore, Lynn Sheridan, Jim Canella, Kittrick Kearns, Jason Hoke, Chandler Mays, Nick Stump, and everybody at How Stuff Works. Until next time, I'm Scott Goldman. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, cultural enrichment, and all-inclusive fares. Discover more at viking.com.